Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome. I am Latricia, and with me is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hello, Latricia, and hello out there, Difference Makers. Let's get it started. Today, we are talking about 90s Black love movies. Latricia, go ahead. You are the the movie guru, so I'm going to let you start us off with some things about the movies and everything else. Okay. Okay, great. So before I talk about the movies, I just wanted to talk about why we're having this show today, talking about Black love. Of course, this month is Black History Month, and Black movies in the 90s is a very historic thing. There there were so many Black movies with Black actors and Black directors from the 90s, so that's why we chose that decade. And also, you may or you may not know about Black Love Day, which is February 13th. And the whole premise for Black Love was about to celebrate love towards the creator, towards yourself, towards your family, towards the community, and the Black race. With all of that, we just thought this would be a good time to talk about these Black Love movies. So what we did was we each chose three movies. We didn't tell each other what the three movies were. So it's going to be interesting just to hear the movies that Phyllis watched. And I wonder if we've watched some of the same movies or not. Maybe, maybe not. A couple of the ones that I watched are my favorite. One is my absolute favorite. So I'm going to tell that one last. I'll start with the first movie, which is The Wood. If you've never seen The Wood, The Wood is a movie about these three guys and kind of them growing up, starting from probably middle school, because one of the guys, Mike, he moved to Inglewood, California from North Carolina, and he met these other two kids and just kind of how they grew up. It was really about one of one of the characters, Ro, he was supposed to be getting married and he went missing. And so the story is like Mike telling the story. And then he has these flashbacks of these memories of them growing up. To me, the love in this story is, it's a brotherly love because these three guys, just how they just stuck together and they they went through all these things together. When Ro came a missing, how they went to find him, to get him to this wedding. A lot of times we hear about people not wanting to get married, but they were encouraging him to to come on and get married. You you know, you say you love her, you ask her to marry you, you need to man up and get to this wedding. So I loved it for that and just how they connected with each other, that brotherly love. Although it was about Roe getting married, the love story between two people was really between Mike and this girl Alicia and it was how she walked into the classroom I guess they may have been seventh eighth grade I don't know they were middle school 
she came to the classroom and it was like he he just started losing his mind from the minute he saw her and some of the things that he did it was just so funny it's, it's a very comical movie and I think a lot of it is kind of inappropriate especially with all that's going on at this time but I just really love the little teenage love story between the two of them so I, I thought that was pretty cool at some point in the movie, I think they were at the wedding. They were talking, or like I said, Mike, he was kind of narrating the film. It's like he was talking to the viewer. He said something that I thought was memorable, but I'm really not good at quoting things verbatim. It was kind of like finding the one, and he was saying how Roe had found the one, and Slim is going to find the one, and how he fell in love the very first day that he, that she walked into his classroom. One of the things for me about this film was that first love, how it just true love never dies, even though they kind of went their separate ways and she came to the wedding. It was kind of like they just reconnected right at that moment again. And it's, it just reminded me of just the beauty of love. And decades later, he will be a jerk on Tyler Perry. <laughs> it's funny. I almost watched that movie. But I didn't watch. I almost watched that movie, but I didn't. And I like that you include that sometimes it's brotherly love. So you, I'm not sure if we ever discussed this, but you have a background in counseling. So can you say that piece again? Like some people will find their love. Some people find it the first time. So that's what you took from this movie. What did you take from love or what lesson on love did you learn from this movie? My takeaway about love was about that first love and how to me, True love never dies. He met this girl in middle school and they connected and bonded and then they went their separate ways in college. But the moment he saw her again at this wedding, it was like those feelings just came back up. And he said that he had found the one, you know, the first day that he met her in the classroom. So I know there's some background noise. You can just give me a thumbs up, though. So you believe in love at first sight. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Or sideway. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to talk about my film. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 10%. And I didn't know that they gave movies that low of a score. But similar to your movie, there was a love at first sight. There was a brotherly love. Not as many friends. Not as big as a group of friends, but it was. My movie was called Strictly Business. And I watched it because it had Holly Berry in it. Holly Berry was a club promoter. She was beautiful. And while she was a hostess, she dropped some paper. She was late for work. And this executive guy saw her. And when he saw her, he just locked his eyes on her and was head over heels for her that day. And he grabbed one of her photos and took it to work. 
he was looking at the photo and one of his friends from the mailroom who was like, what up, boy? And it's just so funny looking at older movies and listening to the language. Straight up G. Yeah, homeboy. Cracker. Slice. And all this stuff that they said. And you're like, did people really talk like that? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, PBS did say stuff like that. So he said, oh, you're trying to get with her? Oh, man, you're not going to get with her. His issue was he had this girlfriend who really didn't like him, but she knew it was good appearance. And he really, what you would call now, wasn't down for the culture. He had never really been to Harlem. It was based in New York. He had to try to change his appearance. And he goes to the club. And he sees her, but she doesn't see him. Then he goes to another club. She sees him and she tells him, oh, you're cute. The third time she sees him at the club, there's a mishap and she, he has to drive her home. Now, that's the part I'm like, that's it. Like with the, with the love story that you talked about, there was this build up of love. I was like, is this why Ryan Tomatoes gave it 10%? So there's really no buildup of it. Only thing prior to was he picked up her picture. She told him he was cute. So this is the third time they're seeing each other. He is taking her home. And she starts telling him about her dreams of owning a nightclub. And they sleep together and they're in love. There was other things happening behind the scene. Samuel L. Jackson is in this movie, too. So it's nice to see Samuel Jackson a little younger. Tommy Davidson. And they set up to make it look like Tommy Davidson didn't do a job well. And he got fired and all this stuff. Come to find out at one of the clubs that the black bankers helped him pull the job out. So for me, I really didn't learn anything. From that movie. (laughs) Not a thing. Not a thing. Like, okay. One thing I learned is the progression of how movies became less suggestive. Because that was 1991. So I remember watching that movie. In the movie, when they go back to Holly's place, she's on her knees. I remember seeing that like, oh, that's a weird way to start kissing. But... Yeah, so, (laughs) like, oh, because he took you home and you told him you want to own a club. So at the end of the movie, you know, he buys her a club and he closes the deal and all this. But I do think one thing that I guess people are supposed to learn from the story. While they were at the club, the man told him there's one rule, the golden rule, the one with the gold. Holds the rules. That was 1991. I mean, 2021. Women, we we're making as much money as men now. So times have changed. We still love you though. All right, Latricia, your second movie. I did see that movie, but it's been so long ago. I haven't seen it in a long time. I think 
maybe a message be yourself because wasn't the guy like you said he he was like this banger and this always wears suits and dressed up or whatever and then he was trying to be more hood like when he didn't need to be maybe he needed to yeah, be himself. be yourself too but being himself is not what got him out of bed Hey, maybe that's another one. Money is an aphrodisiac. Oh, uh, I mean, that, that, yes, yes. it does make you smile a little bit bigger. That's not loving. Yeah, it's not loving. Since you asked that question about love at first sight, maybe I do believe in love at first sight, or maybe just all of the movies were about love at first sight. So maybe that's a lesson to be learned from all of them. Because my second movie is Love Jones, and it was pretty much similar. A group of friends, they were at this place called The Sanctuary, where they were listening to poetry and having drinks and stuff. One of the guys, Darius, he met this girl, Nina, and after he saw her at the bar, it was on from that moment. The chase was on. I guess the thing about that movie is that they were in denial about their feelings. They didn't want to express their true feelings to one another. And that's what led to a whole bunch of drama in their relationship, which all that drama could have been alleviated if they were only honest about their feelings for one another. So that's what I took away from that movie about honesty being the best policy. And I guess I'm just assuming that people saw this movie, but maybe not. In this movie, there was a group of friends who they were always hanging out together. This guy, Darius, met this girl, Nina, and Darius was a writer. And Nina, she was a photographer. They lived in Chicago and they hung out and, you know, they went on dates after she was tired of him chasing her. She had some old business in New York and she had some leads in New York that she wanted to go check out. And she told him about it and he was very nonchalant about it. So she went on to New York, took care of her business. So by the time she came back from New York, the other stuff was going on. She didn't call him to tell to tell him that she was back and all of this stuff went on. And so it was kind of like their relationship that they had prior to the trip to New York had kind of dissipated. Later, she got a job in New York. She moved to New York. I think she was working for Vibe magazine or something. Then she had something in Chicago where she had to come back to Chicago, which was like a year or so later. And when she came back, They saw each other at the same place that they met, the sanctuary. She had read a poem, and at the end, they were having this conversation. At that point in time, he told her, you know, I want us to be together for as long as we can. And she had said something to him about, for you, everything is urgent. And he told her, you know, I love you, so that's urgent like a mf -er." So to me, it was this whole thing about admitting how you feel like it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to show your vulnerabilities. You know, that's how love is. Love is vulnerable. Had they been a little more vulnerable a little sooner, things may have been different earlier and it wouldn't have been so much drama. But we wouldn't have one of the best 
black love movies. One of the best black love movies. I, I know that's many people's top three. I'm convinced it is. And I would also say one of the best movie soundtracks. And you know what blew my socks off? I googled like top 50 movies. And you know, I thought I was going to see a lot of Harry Met Sally and Titanic. And one of the top 10 movies was Love Jones on this, on a list. I'm not sure what particular list it was, but within the top 10 of that 50, it was Love Jones. And I was like, <laughs> okay. That soundtrack to me is unmatched. The soundtrack is nice. Yeah. Even the wood has a nice soundtrack also. The, the music is just, all the music is just fire. It's just all of it. I, from the three movies I watched, I love all the music. I couldn't remember anything from the woods, but even as you were talking, I was like, love Jones. I gotta love Jones. I gotta love Jones. Like every, then I started singing another song. They say I'm hopeless. Like, like I was like, I'm listening. I'm listening to Patricia. Then I kept having these, this Ray moments where I started singing so i have to check out the woods as well because i can't remember some of those songs my second movie is a thin line between love and hate which is based on a 1970s song and i know that i am becoming seasoned because i sound like my dad now when I hear move when i hear music oh they messed up all these songs now i remember when this came out so, um, and I remember when A Thin Line Between Love and Hate came out, my dad was saying, I remember this song. So if you haven't seen A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, this is when I believe Lynn Whitfield, I'm not sure if she was notorious then, but she was gaining some notoriety then. Martin Lawrence was out and Bobby Brown is in it. Della Reese is in it. It's a great movie. And it's about a guy who thinks he's a player and all this stuff. And he makes this bet that he's going to land this woman who others believe is out of his league. On the one condition, he's not supposed to say, I love you. That's a personal thing he said. Meanwhile, his neighborhood friend comes back from the military and he has sincere feelings for her. So he does tell Lynn Whitfield that he loves her. And she lets down her guard and wants to become serious. So then he goes back to liking the other girl. And it's just drama, drama, drama. She is wise because she's went to oh oh that's gonna be what what i learned about this movie too so she goes back and she um is a very clever woman so she starts torturing him and at the end she tries to basically kill him and it doesn't work out and she goes to jail who the lessons in this first of all 
I don't think I paid attention to um, Martin's eye. In the whole movie, it looked like he ate something that he was allergic to because his eye and his lip is swollen. Okay, and also I had read that he said he filmed it with some allergy. So that ain't all me. That ain't all me. I got to come clean. Got to come clean. So then I did notice. I said, uh-huh. look at him. Swollen eye. Thinking he macking people. So some things I learned from this. I think this still happens today. We are, excuse the noise, we're filming live. So that's the sound of freedom. If you hear that in the background. <laughs> we have very successful women who are falling for men just based on their words and not their actions. You've seen many people do videos on this. That was in the 90s and this is still happening. So trust somebody by the fruit that they bear. Also, I think, was that Regina King with the pretty eyes? I forgot her name. She was on 227. She didn't settle because you remember there was another guy that liked her as well. And she was like, nah, until you commit to me, I'm not moving forward. So I think she set boundaries and she made it clear until you commit to me. I'm not selling for anybody. Y'all, men, please, please. Some of these women crazy. Some of us women, we crazy. We butcher knife and the cake crazy. Maybe that's why people like Darius are reluctant to share their feelings. Because people like the one in your movie, you, you say the wrong thing, then they become stalkers. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I can't even remember. I just remember Lynn Whitfield and Martin Lawrence are in it. And I I remember her being way off the chain. So we're zero for two. We didn't watch two of the same movies. And the last movie that I watched, which is my absolute favorite movie of all times, Jason's Lyric. I love Jason's lyric. I tell you, every time I watch that movie, it's like I've never seen it before, ever. <laughs> and I've pro- I don't know how many times that I've seen that movie over the years. But I love Jason's lyric. Jason's lyric is a story about a guy named Jason and a girl named Lyric. They live in Houston. They live in one of the low-income parts of Houston. So there's there's a lot of poverty where they live. There's a lot of crime and violence and stuff like that. It's another Love at First Sight movie. Jason worked at this TV shop. Lyric came in to purchase a TV. He saw her and he was done. So then <laughs> same thing, kind of like Love Jones. Then he had to find her and and all of this stuff. It's also about family. Jason, his family, he had a brother, his mother and his father, and some stuff happened in the movie. He felt kind of like he owed a debt to his family. He was always trying to save his brother, which was interfering with his relationship with Lyric. It was kind of like he was the peacekeeper. He was always just 
there for people, kind of like he was the savior or something, like he was the hero. He just always was there to pick up the pieces. And it was just a lot on Jason. Lyric, it was her and her brother. And then she had a friend, Marty, who was also the girlfriend of Lyric's brother. Her brother, he was like this mean guy in the community and like everybody was scared of him. And he wasn't a drug dealer because Jason's brother, he was like a petty drug dealer with some other people. And and I think they, they had like a chop shop. You know, he was a, a bad guy with some illegal operations. So Lyric, she was like a dreamer. She was always fantasizing because I guess she wanted to be out of that ghetto life. So her and Jason, they got together. There was just so much romance in in the movie, which I think that's part of the reason why I like that movie is because of the, the level of romance and how Jason was attentive. Lyric, she liked buses or just the idea of going somewhere in a bus. And then Jason had this fabulous date planned for her. And it was just so romantic, that date. And then they went to the bayou and then there was a lot of romance there and there were some intense sex scenes. I was like, wow, there's a lot of nudity in this film. Just with all of the stuff that they had going on, they can still find a little bit of love. And and Marty, she had told Lyric that what she found with Jason was quiet. She was able to find something special and something quiet in this relationship with Jason. But Jason, he had so many struggles. He had all of these ghosts that he was trying to conquer because of the stuff with his family that he just couldn't be what Lyric needed him to be. There was one scene where she told him, she was like, Jason, I am trying to love you. And she really was. She was trying to love him. So one of the lessons that I learned from it is love can help you through your pain. If you have the right person by your side, they can help you through your pain. And I think Lyric loved Jason through some of his pain because Jason, you know, he had some tough decisions to make. He needed to be released from this family. And then at some point, you know, he finally made this decision to be released from his family. So I just love the movie. Just It's all kinds of dynamics. And I could talk about this movie. I could probably even write a dissertation on it. So, <laughs> but as far as the love piece goes, I think it's, you know, finding love in a place that's so filled with noise. You're so down and out seemingly, but yet here comes love to help to uplift you out of these circumstances. Oh, wow. Now, see, are so poetic when it comes to love and a sense like so deep. I want I want to watch Jason Lyric and not just for the butt cheeks. <laughs> you know, I joke a lot. So my last movie was The Best Man. Just like the woods, it talks about brotherly love and it talks about Romantic love as well. It's also based on a wedding. They are going to wed. Morris Chestnut is marrying his college sweetheart. He's an NFL player. 
His friend Harper has written a book. The book is getting a lot of traction, but they're starting to notice that a lot of the characters in the book represent his friends in college. So they starting to pick out, okay, so this is you, um, Terrence Howard, okay? His name was Quentin in the movie. This is you, you're the player, okay? Then there was Neil Long, and he had a crush on her, but it never went anywhere. So his girlfriend, his current girlfriend is jealous of that, and she can tell that he still has a longing for her. And then there's a friend who has been in a relationship with this very demasculating woman and they can tell who they are in the book. So they meet and they're they're basically the same people. And one thing that I thought about this movie that stuck out to me, one quote was um, Terrence Howard said, you can analyze everybody except yourself. And um, I don't know if I ever really paid attention to that. But Quentin, he was the one that did, to me, the greatest damage. But he didn't even put that part in the book. He made it sort of a roundabout way. He talked about a kiss on the forehead, but it was symbolic of something else. So he betrayed his best friend. He was the best man and he had slept with the best man's bride to be who he had introduced them to. And he forgave the groom, forgave him and they remained friends and they came with a part two a decade later, a decade plus later. What I learned from this movie is to, I think, in an odd way, watching it this time, I think to keep God in your relationship and keep um or divinity or a higher power, whatever you believe in, in your relationship. Because I don't think Morris Chestnut would have been able to move forward if he hadn't had a spiritual relationship with God, if he didn't have a relationship. And he had that from when he was in college. Till he was an adult man, a more mature man. But that was a really good movie and it was funny too. And you know what else I learned too, looking back at some of those movies? To not demasculate men. I hope I don't do that. But I try to be very conscious of that. I've, I've read books about it. But in the movie, Best Man, Shelby demasculated the guy with the dreads in Strictly Business. The guy that played on the Cosby show was demasculated. And communication is so important. We talked about that with one of the movies. Just as women or just as a woman, a black woman, I want to make sure that I don't demasculate the black man. That's my personal principal challenge which I have never done big deal that's awesome those are some great great observations that's one of my other favorite movies I love the best man also and my other favorite is not a 90s movie so I wasn't able to watch it I'm able to watch it but not for today yeah a lot of them were on the were on the cusp 
So do you want to recap some one through six or do you want to go into the difference between black movies and other movies? Whichever you choose, I'm open for it all. Let's go into the difference. Okay. Okay, what's, what are some differences you see with, generally speaking, of black love movies and mainstream love movies? One of the biggest differences that I see maybe is the is how mainstream movies are romanticized. There's there's always this boy meets girl, boy and girl fall in love, get married, live happily ever after. A lot of times it's that kind of thing. And with these movies, particularly like the ones that we, we watch, there's just so much drama. There's this chase and there's this fussing and this arguing and breaking up and getting back together. So it's it seems like that's a lot of it. And I guess part of it is the Black experience for some people, but I think there's also Black experiences and relationships that don't involve all that. There are some experiences where a couple meet, they get together, they make decisions about their life, where they're going. Of course, there's ups and downs, but it's just, I guess, not at such a dramatic level. Showing different experiences, I think, is what is lacking, at least in these films that we talked about. And earlier, we also talked about how we felt that the 90s had more Black love movies, Black romance movies that when I try to think of movies in the last decade, I can think of The Photograph and I can think of maybe two or three more movies, but it seems like that's not really a, it's not a requirement. It's not a desire for it. I was wondering, well, why are black love movies like that? Why are they, I say they're either dramatic traumatic or they represent patriarchy in some sense where there's abuse, financial abuse, emotional abuse, or cheating. That's the majority of our movies, I would say, that we think of. And I think some of it goes to supply and demand is the word I was trying to think of. Supply and demand is one reason. Who's telling our stories is one reason. Earlier, I was on Facebook and I saw Someone, I think her name is Chai the Woke Ratchet or something like that. She was talking about this new <laughs> movie that came out on Netflix called Malcolm. And I remember watching the trailer and I was like, eh, no, nah, I'm not watching it. And she said, it's a typical toxic black love movie. And I didn't know that she was like, the filmmaker is white. But that's not always the case. One of the films that I watched was by the same guy who did Hustle and Flow. The same guy that did Best Man did Hustle and Flow. So and you remember they had some love couples in there. So it's supply and demand, who's telling our story, and the budget. I think those are the three factors that continue to have our stories portrayed in this way. I hope the audience enjoyed our movies. Please let us know some of your favorite 90s love movies. 
What did you learn from some of these films as well? I'm going to hand it back to Latricia. Phyllis, I don't know if you know this or not, but you just gave our principal challenge. So let me go ahead and reiterate that principal challenge. Principal challenge. Live them out. Let us know about your favorite 90s black love stories, what you learned from them. And hey, if you hadn't watched them, go catch some. I don't know if you can find them on Netflix and Hulu and those places. Sometimes you have to pay for them if you don't own them. But check out those 90s love films. I bought mine on Amazon. So in the spirit of Umoja, is that unity? Let's watch some of those black films and support them. So we are live and I'm going to get into our good news. We always do three separate good news. For this section, open your mind, heart, and ears as we spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. Kelly Rowland, who rose to fame in the 90s through singing in the girl group Destiny Child, announced birth of her son, Noah John Weatherspoon, on January 21st, 2021. This makes child number two for the Weatherspoon family. On February 25th, 2021, at 3 o'clock Mountain Pacific Time, Dr. Tyler Perry, Assistant Professor of African American and African Diaspora Studies at the University of Nevada will speak on a traditional African-American tradition. There's even a movie named after it called Jumping the Broom. Jumping the Broom holds a much more complex, interconnected history that links the culture of peoples of African and European descent through the Atlantic world, providing the first comprehensive history of the broomstick wedding. Tyler D. Perry explains how this ritual emerged. So if you would like to learn more about that, please Google Jumping the Broom, Tyler D. Perry, P-A-R-R-Y. Sterling K. Brown, who plays Randall on This Is Us, hopes season five encourages minorities to seek therapy. He said, there's so much on life is a struggle for people of color for minorities, black folks in particular. Pick up yourself, figure it out. You know, nobody's going to give you anything. That self-care is something that we've denied ourselves for such a long period of time. You develop this armor to face the world and it's hard for things to get in because you know that's how you stay protected. If you would like to delve further into mental health amongst black people, listen to our episode with Jorel, Emotions Are Never Wrong. That concludes our good news. Latricia, can we end the day with our soul snack? Yes, we can. Our soul snack today comes from a Tanzanian and Kenyan proverb, and it says, one who loves the vase loves also what is inside. That's our show for today. So please subscribe and tell your friends about it and give us a review and a rating. Until next time, 
expand your minds, and impact your community. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.